Welcome back, folks. Good to have you with us here on the Mark Steiner Show on your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, the voice of the community. And we welcome you back here. We have with us in the studio Dr. Desiree Melton, who is Associate Professor of Philosophy at Notre Dame University of Maryland. Desiree, good to have you back in the house. Good to have you. Thank, thanks for being here. And back again. He was here yesterday with us. We really like his mind. And back to think about what happened last night is Bill Fletcher, Jr., Senior Scholar with the Institute for Policy Studies, also an editorial board member of BlackCommentator.com, co-author of The Indispensable Ally, Black Workers in the Formation of the Congress of Industrial Organizations, and author of their Bankrupting Us and 20 Other Myths About Unions. Uh, Bill, welcome. Good to have you back with us. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. And we were going to have a conservative grassroots activist join us this morning. He called in just last minute to say he was sick and couldn't make it because when we have these kind of programs, we do like to stretch it out and have a variety of opinion to go at it. So unfortunately, um, we'll have no conservatives kind of defending Donald Trump this morning's speech, but we will uh, have folks back on in the coming weeks. Uh, you all can join us, though, whether, wherever your political thoughts are and ideas, 410-319-8888. You can tweet us at Mark Steiner, or you can email us at talk at steinershow.org. If you're listening to us in Baltimore, Maryland, D.C., from around the country, wherever it is, join us, 410-319-8888. So let me begin with this clip. And this is a clip of, uh, speaking about the Affordable Care Act. And let me just start this way. Tonight I am also calling on this Congress to repeal and replace Obamacare. With reforms that expand choice, increase access, lower costs, and at the same time provide better health care. <laughs> Mandating every American to buy government-approved health insurance was never the right solution for our country. The way to make health insurance available to everyone is to lower the cost of health insurance, and that is what we are going to do. Remember, when you were told that you could keep your doctor and keep your plan, we now know that all of those promises have been totally broken. Obamacare is collapsing, and we must act decisively to protect all Americans. All right, well, that was a little bit of last night, um, uh, full of contradictions, I think. But And as I tweeted out last night, as a single-payer boy, I have my deep critiques of, of the ACA, but the answers are not coming forth about what they plan to do to replace it. I don't think they really have one. Bill Fletcher. Do you want me to speak about this in general, Mark, or just about the... In general is fine, Whatever, wherever you'd like to go. This was the most xenophobic speech by U.S. President in my lifetime. I was just astounded at how calmly and how directly uh, Trump decided to take on immigrants and to pit uh, immigrants of color against uh, African Americans. I thought it was just amazing. Well, that's, that's, I've not heard that analysis before the way you're describing it. Continue with that. That's interesting. Yeah, it was just, it was absolutely amazing what he did. He, it was it was so well choreographed. The cynicism is just, is, is mind-boggling. That basically, they went out of their way to show or to try to illustrate that immigrants of color are a threat to African Americans. And, and not just, not just the, t the typical kind of threat that we had been hearing when he was running, which was particularly focused on whites. But now they decided, let's drive a wedge. So they, they introduce the immigrant of color as this threat. And the establishment of this uh, branch of the Department of Homeland Security mm -hmm. that is to go after immigrant criminals. I mean, I was thinking, this is amazing. When you think about the, the lion's share of the crimes that take place in this country have nothing to do with immigrants. Yet he was playing with that. So you have that. 
That's what struck me overall. Then you add on to this the continued distortion of facts. Uh, MSN uh, this morning has an incredible breakdown uh, in, in the form of fact-checking of what uh, Trump alleged. And, and it's, you know, you can't, you can't dream this up. I mean, let me just give one example, and then I'll, I'll stop. You know, he talks about uh, working together for clean air and clean water. When only shortly, uh, you know, earlier in the day, he moved to roll back uh, Obama executive orders and regulations on, on clean water. I mean, the, like I said, the cynicism is just is absolutely mind-boggling. Well, I mean, he did, and one of the things that struck me about that, too, when I was thinking about that earlier, about just, just, just I'm going to stay with this immigrant thing for a moment because I think it's really kind of important. Um, but before he was talking about rolling back all these regulations, cutting the EPA to a bone, it throws out a line about clean energy. Uh, and uh, the battles that will ensue around that. I, 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 it's interesting. I, I've, I, I did not think, Bill, until you mentioned it about the kind of wedge, putting this wedge between Latinos and the African American community, uh, which is uh, that didn't come across my mind until you, you mentioned it. But I, clearly, hearing it now in my head, that makes sense. Desiree, what, what, would, what was your takeaway? About that specifically, or about something well, else? The whole piece. What was your takeaway from it? Um, well, I think. Well, you just mentioned the clean, um, your guest Bill Fletcher just mentioned clean air and clean water. What was surprising to me is that he folded that concern about promoting clean air and clean water along with talking about paid family leave and women's health and investing in women's health. He folded all those, those things together as if, as if they're all connected, but they're not really. And he has, it's not clear what he means when he says he wants to invest in women's health. He has not shown that he's interested in women's health at all. Actually, the kinds of things that he is supporting are the kinds of things that are going to be detrimental to women's health globally and for American citizens, for Americans. Yeah, right, and I, and I think this, this speech, I, I, it lacked a lot of substance. I mean, I think that there's – but one of the things interesting in contradiction of what maybe both of you were thinking, Van Jones this morning posited he thought he sounded so presidential that, that he could give himself eight years. Part of it being um, when he turned uh, his attention to uh, Karen Owens, the wife of Ryan Owens, who was killed uh, in the attack on Yemen, which was also full of contradictions. But the way it seems that Van was 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 phrasing that was that that he was he was methodical. He sounded more presidential than he's ever sounded before that he did his best and that to kind of bring all these black voices in to say, look who I am, and this is what I, who I really am. Uh, and, it, you know, and he veered off a couple of times in his speech. For the most part, he followed his teleprompter. I was surprised to hear Van Jones say that. I don't think he sounded presidential. I think he sounded like an adult. And I'm not really sure why we're going to <laughs> pat this man on the back because he can speak from a teleprompter. <coughs> And not go off message and not scream and, you know, and say, make all sorts of foolish comments that have nothing to do with what he's supposed to be talking about. That's not presidential. That's I, just I, I being an adult. No, I, I absolutely agree with you, Desiree. I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the bar is very low. I mean, the fact that the man did not fall on his face, I think some people declare that a, to be a victory. Right. And I'm very disturbed. Uh, in looking at the paper, the media today, where people suggest that he has been, pre you know, that he came across presidential, uh, and almost let's give him a chance. Uh, I think that that's very dangerous. He he was methodical. I didn't think it was a particularly good speech. I didn't think it was, uh, even from the standpoint of the right, it wasn't particularly inspiring. It was a list of items that he's going a shopping list, he's going to the store with. And, uh, and I think that, it's, that while Trump certainly might get an additional four years, I don't think it's going to be on the basis of speeches like this. Right. I didn't, I didn't hear anything new from him last night. I didn't hear how he's planning on implementing all of these things, that list that you mentioned, Bill. I didn't, I didn't hear how he's going to put any of these things into effect. We did not learn anything new. All we learned is that he can speak from a teleprompter and he cannot fall on his face, as Bill just said. I mean, and I, and I, was, and I guess I'm being a little measured just because we don't have anybody on the other side here trying to figure out. <laughs> but I certainly was not measured. My tweets last night that went out as I was watching. Um, 
Um, well, and we also learned that he can engage in some pretty heavy political theater. Right. That's, right. that's, that's what we saw. Well, let, let, let me, before we go to our next clip, which is about voice, which I think is important to talk about, especially in the heels of what Bill Fletcher said, let, let me stay for just a moment with this whole controversy around uh, Ryan Owens, who was the, the, um, the, the petty officer who was killed uh, in the attack in Yemen, Karen Owens, his, his uh, widow there, which was an extremely I mean, moving moment. I mean, yeah. I think everybody was moved by just that moment. I mean, the, her, the, her pain was very real. Um, and I think everybody could stand by that. But at the same time, just earlier to Fox News, he blamed the generals for his death. B, when it happened, he was not even in the situation room. Whether you agree with the policy or not, that's another argument I make, the question it seems to me. He was not even in the situation room as Obama or Bush or anybody else would have been when this kind of very serious military maneuver was going to take place. Very questionable about what this maneuver meant if it had even succeeded in doing anything. There have been no boots on the ground in Yemen. We've done a lot of killing by drones in that country. So it was, it was full of contradictions. But, you see, that's what I'm saying. That was such a very brilliant move. It was full of contradictions, but nobody thinks about the contradictions because it was the emotion of the moment that he is, is how I think he took hold of last night because of that particular moment. I agree. So instead of just being drawn in by this very recent widow's pain at losing her husband, people got swept up in the moment and somehow thought that that was that instead of just leaving at that, just experiencing a moment of human grief along with her, people got swept up in in somehow believing that he was um, that it was it was a good move to begin with this operation. When you're right, he did. He, he, he blamed the generals for it, and it's certainly not presidential for the commander-in-chief to not own what happened. And where were he you? He did not where do Where were that. you when the decision was being made? He wasn't there when the decision was being made. He blamed the generals. He did not stand. He did not act presidentially by being the commander-in-chief and taking ownership for what happened. He didn't do any of that. He rolled out this widow and had her standing there with tears running down her face, and then he just made an example of her. I thought it was... I thought it was I thought it was deplorable. Well, it's called sleight of hand. Right. I mean, is that, I mean, let's just be real. That's, this was, uh, again, very cynically, but well choreographed uh, to accomplish exactly what both of you are saying. And it's very sad. I think everyone was, was certainly torn uh, emotionally in, in watching, the, you know, Ms. Owens with, you know, in, in her grief. Uh, again, I'm not sure how long that lasts. You know, when, when, uh, but it, uh, a lot depends on whether there's an alternative narrative that's put out there and reinforced over and over again. And I think that we need to take Trump to task for the cynicism. That was a mean spirited manipulation. I agree. And also, we, the, his father refused to be there. His father refused, Bill Owens, refused to talk to Trump when the body of his son came back in Delaware uh, at the Air Force, in Dover Air Force Base. Um, his father called for an investigation. Why did this take place? Why did it happen? Why was the raid necessary? Did it accomplish anything? So he's pushing the envelope here. No idea where Bill Owens' political uh, loyalties lie in all of this, but he clearly was upset about his son being killed and how it happened, and that I think it was glossed over by a lot of major media as well. Absolutely. From, from what I've read. L- let's play this clip now about The Voice, which I think uh, is a critical piece and kind of on, on the tales of, 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 uh, of what Bill Fletcher's analysis was when we opened the show. And we must support the victims of crime. I have ordered the Department of Homeland Security to create an office to serve American victims. The office is called Voice victims of immigration crime engagement. We are providing a voice to those who have been ignored by our media and silenced by special interests. Joining us. So uh, that and another piece we can play here in a moment on, on immigration enforcement. Well, can we, let's, can we, is that potted up? Can we do that? The clip number three, Trump uh, 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 on immigration enforcement. And let's hear that for just a moment. To accomplish our goals at home and abroad, we must restart the engine of the American economy. 
To launch our national rebuilding, I will be asking Congress to approve legislation that produces a $1 trillion investment in infrastructure of the United States, financed through both public and private capital, creating millions of new jobs. Yeah, that wasn't the one I was talking about, but that's okay. Um, the, 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 so, what were you just saying, Bill? You couldn't hear it? Yeah, no, it, it wasn't coming through. I, I Hopefully, your audience heard it. They, I, ho- I think they did. I apologize for that. We've been having phone issues for a long time here. Okay. So, I do apologize for that. We, we played the piece where he... Where he um, where he, where he p- talked about voice, the victims of immigration crime engagement, this new task force. Right. Th- and this is part of what you were saying at the beginning, you know, and I, I think that it truly is, I mean, A, a lie when you look at the statistics. Immigrants are not causing this massive crime wave of violence in our country, A. B, um, that, you know, I, we're doing a story now on a man here in Baltimore, uh, Sabando Hernandez, who was taken out of his car at 2 o'clock in the morning, he's a barber, owns his own barbershop, is a community leader in Baltimore, he is an undocumented immigrant from Honduras. They surrounded his car and pulled him out, first posing as Baltimore City Police, then identifying themselves as ICE. Where's your green card? He didn't have one. And they said now that his girlfriend testifies that now that, that stated that now that um, they said Trump is in power, we can do whatever we want. And they took him away. He's now in, 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 in being held in prison. We're going to bring you that story mm-hmm. in the next week. Um, and, but his crime was crossing the border. No other crime he committed. So in many ways, Bill Fletcher, this is like this ruse that's being pushed out here. But it's a dangerous ruse. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, absolutely. I mean, let, let's, let's just take it apart. So, uh, so first of all, and this is not in order of importance. The uh, he uh, Trump mentioned a very interesting alleged statistic uh, last night, and this is one of those notions where figures don't lie, but liars figure. Um, he was discussing the issue of terrorism and about how most of the terrorists since 9/11 have come from outside of the country. Um, what he didn't say is that most of the terror attacks since 9-11 have been carried out by white supremacists from within the United States. Right? So that's, that's like very, very important that, that, is, that you get this distorted image about what the notion of terrorism is. Second thing, when one is talking about crime and crime coming from overseas, what Trump has refused to do adamantly is to ever talk about criminal gangs from Europe, and particularly the most feared criminal gang in the United States, which is the Russian Mafia. That never enters into his discussions. So the, the explicit or implicit uh, target is always the immigrant from the South or the immigrant from Asia. And then you add on to that what I was raising earlier about counterposing the needs and issues of African Americans to those of um, immigrants from the South. And you see the way that they are now nuancing their xenophobia. Desiree, how did you read that? I mean, I, I tweeted about this last night because I was just so enraged um, about his attack on, the, on immigrants and, and this, this kind of consistent untruths being told. Mm-hmm. That, that was really just struck me. Right. I mean, and, and as, as Bill said, it's just it's just not true that illegal immigrants are causing all of this crime. And I think that it's I think that Bill is also right that he is trying to clearly drive a wedge between between people of color, groups of people of color. There was a reason why he pulled the family of Jamil Shaw out. I mean, it, it's clear. And but it's also clear why he did not have any of the families of the victims of the parishioners who were killed by Dylan Roof. Where were they? Because he does not want to address the fact that white supremacists are carrying out these terrorist attacks. He does not want to do that. He wants us to focus on illegal immigrants. He wants us to focus on, what, what is he calling it, um, uh, radical Islamist terrorists. terrorists. Right. Um, and, and it is a ruse. It is. It is a ruse. It's a sleight of hand. And and people are getting swept up in it. And it, it is dangerous, just as Bill said. 
So, folks, do join us. I really want to hear your thoughts. Did you agree with what Donald Trump said last night? Where are your thoughts upon this administration's taking America? If you did not agree with what he was saying last night, if your thoughts, your own analysis of what he said, did you even watch it? 410-319-8888. We want to hear from you. Tweet us at Mark Steiner. You can also log on to our Facebook pages, uh, and you can send us an email to talk at steinershow.org. I really want your ideas and thoughts at 410-319-8888. We had a ton of response from our tweets we sent out last night, so I want to see what uh, what you think about those. You can disagree with what I tweeted, which is fine, uh, but I like to hear your thinking at 410-319-8888 as we explore uh, Donald Trump's speech uh, last night to Congress, which was not called a State of the Union speech, but apparently... Um, and I never thought about this until I was reading the news that, that State of the Union speeches are not called that for the since uh, John F. Kennedy uh, called State of the Union speeches in the in their first term. But I never really heard that before. I'm sure that everything I've heard in the past called Obama's first speech State of the Union. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting how we are engaging this speech differently. And also what struck me is why everybody keeps talking about the 250th anniversary of the United States when it's nine years away. Right. I, I was confused well, about that as well. You know, I thought you know, I missed Mark, something. <laughs> me too. I had to go back and look to make sure I wasn't wrong. I'm Mark, sorry. There's something that I also want to uh, that that I want to just uh, drop in here, and it relates to something you said a minute ago when you were saying to the audience if you agreed or disagreed with uh, Trump's speech. I think that it's not enough for people to say I agreed if they agreed. Um, I, I think it's a question of well, what did you agree with? And do you understand the facts of the situation? In other words, if I get on your show, Mark, and I say that the world is flat, and people call up and they agree, what does that mean? Right? What does it mean? What are they actually agreeing with? Are they prepared to say that the facts are irrelevant? When you look at what this guy said last night, and you go through point by point by point, and you see the factual inaccuracies, what does it mean to agree with him? That, that's one of the right. questions I think we need to pose. I, I, I do, too. And, I, so, and let's pose that when we come back from this very quick break. Uh, a lot of folks calling in, 410-319-8888. Uh, Jacqueline, you're the first caller up when we return. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Desiree Melton and John, Bill Fletcher, Jr. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. This is Mark Steiner right here on The Mark Steiner Show. Good to have you with us here. On our way back to our conversation, I want to remind you, The Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, offering a full range of financial services. MeQ, Baltimore's credit union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. Remember, it's a credit union, not just a bank. It belongs to you. Money comes back in the end. More information at W www.mecu.com or signershow.org is MeQ, Baltimore Credit Union's banner. And we are here with Dr. Desiree Melton, Associate Professor of Philosophy at Notre Dame University, Maryland. Uh, And we are also here with Bill Fletcher, Senior Scholar of the Institute for Policy Studies, Editorial Board Member of BlackCommentator.com, Co-Author of The Indispensable Ally, Black Workers, and the Formation of the Congress of Industrial Organizations, and they're bankrupting us and 20 other myths about unions. And I want to come back to a question about unions in just a moment. But first, to the phones at 410-319-8888. Jacqueline, you're on the air. Welcome. Good morning, Mark. I just Good wanted morning. to call, making a statement. Please do. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm amazed and saddened at how quickly 45 has become presidential, just simply because he read from a teleprompter a written script. It's pretty sad. Uh, low standards, and I'll just take a response, if any, um, off the air. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And that's something you spoke to, too, a bit, Desiree, which is this presidential thing. And I think that's how – I wouldn't be surprised if this is, becomes the new – if they try to really tame and re- rein him in so that they can get what they want accomplished, though I'm not sure they will. Because he can stand up straight and I mean, walk upright. I mean, what you're right. The bar is just so incredibly low. Because he can read from a teleprompter, I mean, what is he actually saying? Just like Bill said, if you're going to agree with him, what does that mean that you agree with him? Why do you agree with him? We can't get distracted because he can act like an adult sometimes. <laughs> oh, that's the best line on this show today. <laughs> I mean, let me let me just say, um, in addition to thanking you for saying that, that um, you, you know, 
I think what we have to understand is that the establishment is very worried about a legitimacy crisis. That's the, that, that's the sort of background. Um, they're very worried that there, there's a situation in which the, the credibility of the presidency and of the United States completely unravels. And so there's a certain amount of grasping at straws that's going on. And I think that's what we're finding in the media today. Because the bar has been set so low that it's just, wow, we survived another day uh, of this overall disaster. I, I think for those of us that understand the, the danger that the Trump presidency represents, I think we we have to be the ones that continue to voice our uh, opposition and, in fact, disdain for the kind of politics that he's representing. Yeah, and I and I I want to come to the question of infrastructure and unions and and uh, the pipeline and ah. his coal statements in a moment and the, the and the complexity of what this might portend between unions and workers looking for jobs. The fact that 12% of black men, mostly from my analysis reading, were working class men looking for jobs who voted for Trump. What the, all that means, how that wraps together, but let's go to the phones first and we'll jump back into that, which is a very interesting subject, I think. 410-319-8888. Betty, you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi, hi Betty. everybody. Um, uh, this is a question for your guest. So I see what Trump is doing is uniting his faith, such that it is, against Muslims and immigrants. And uh, I can easily see him moving to attacks on the African-American community it, once he's consummated his, his, you know, consolidated his power around the uh, elimination of immigrants and Muslims as, quote, the enemy. So I'd like to hear your guests unpack that and comment on that. Hmm. Bill, I mean, this has been what you talked about earlier. Yes. Um, you know... In listening to the caller, I thought about that famous line from the Protestant minister in Germany. Uh, first, they came for the communists, but I was not a communist. Right. So I said nothing. I, I think that what we are um, actually seeing, and we saw it last night, is first they come for the immigrants. And I'm not one, so I remain silent. And then they go for the Muslims. Uh, and so I think that the nuance that I was mentioning before in the xenophobia we have to be very very aware of this this is this is taking place in a very repressive environment and what i dread is that this administration will uh encourage a situation so that if there is another terrorist attack that they will use this for a dramatic not only sweep but a restructuring of the country the, the, the quote you're talking about, of course, is the, is the famous Martin Niemöller quote that, who spent seven years in a concentration camp, uh, the Protestant minister from Germany. And what he said was, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. So uh, let me, let me, let's tackle that for a moment before I go back to the phones. And, and, and I, Jamie, you're the next caller up. We're going to come to your call next, um, which is the wedge again. And, you know, you hear it happening in the movement right now. You know, on the one hand, there's this massive movement going on in America from moderates to people on the left who are demonstrating against Trump because they're terrified of what they see happening with this presidency and the dangers it portends. You also hear uh, black activists saying, well, where were you when the police were shooting our people in the street and did you come out for us? Why should we come out now? You, had, you saw that during the immigration uh, demonstrations at the airports. You heard that kind of split taking place a little bit. And I think there's a real danger in, in our fracturing and their ability to fracture us even more. Um, and the fractures that already exist because of the complexities of racism and class in this country and how they intersect, as the word goes today. Uh, and, but, and so I think there's a, there's, a, there's a real hope to build something, but there's also a danger here in the ability to kind of fracture what goes on because of that fear. Yeah, I, I agree. We are seeing a lot of fracturing. And 
unfortunately, from what I I was I was following some of the comments that were made last night as he was speaking, but I also was looking at some of the things that were in the news today commentating um what commentators had to say had to say after his speech, but a lot of people spoke about unity and they said that he offered a message of unity. He did exactly the opposite. And this is what, what Bill was just saying about the wedge and he there were the subtle things that he did and the not so subtle things that he did. But there was there was no call of unity there. He is just adding to the fracturing that we're seeing. So and Bill, he's not bringing people together. And so let's talk about one of those those fissures we played earlier, but you didn't hear it. But uh, rather than playing again, we'll just talk about it and then go back to the phones, which was the piece on building infrastructure um, that the U.S. Congress kind of trashed when uh, Obama attempted to do it. But he, even though he did do it in a half-stepping way in some ways, but still did it, brought it up. But Congress wouldn't even begin to hear what he wanted to do with infrastructure. This is a $3 trillion uh, idea from the, from the Society of Engineers. He's talking about one point something trillion dollars. Um, no idea how he's going to talk about pay, paying for it. But you add that to DAPL uh, and his support for the pipelines going out, which may create thousands of jobs in the making of a, pipe, a pipe, pipeline, but maybe will add less than 100 jobs full-time for people once the pipeline is built, and also the environmental dangers, what the indigenous community is saying. Then the return of the coal industry, where you saw Democrats, as you said, that's right during the break, that you saw Democrats standing up for that and coal in, in applauding uh, Obama. I mean, excuse me, uh, Trump. Um, so there is, there's a real contradiction here. And you, and you heard unions coming out today saying, you know, the, 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 in, in Maryland, talking about how we have to have fracking because it could create thousands of jobs to build these wells. Uh, and, and just in the constru- construction of them. So there's, there's a, there's, again, there's a divide here. That also has to go to the point where why 12% of black men in America voted for Donald Trump. And many of the men I've talked to, and I would love to do just a program on that, is because of jobs and, 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 their f- and, and crime as well that he's talking about coming in and dealing with. So, the, the, that, so what, what could this portend for the next four years, do we think? Bill Fletcher? Well, I, I think the, there's two points here. One is, uh, yes, that, that there are divisions within our ranks. And when you mentioned about uh, progressives who say, where were you? Um, yes, that happens. That's, that's emblematic of defeat. That's defeatist talk. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's resentment. It's not politics. And, and uh, what we need to be saying is what Alicia Garza wrote so eloquently a few weeks ago, is that we need to be embracing people that are coming to the front line. And even if they weren't with us before, uh, we want to win. I want to win. I'm not interested in, in, in throwing eggs at people who were not with me before. If they're with me now, I'm ready to fight. And that, I think that that's, that's going to be one of the critical things. Now, the second point, you're, you're right on about the, uh, the way that uh, he's manipulating the jobs issue. And unfortunately, there are leaders in organized labor I call them Vichyites, uh, you know, <laughs> after the Vichy French who collaborated with the Nazis, who um, are ready to collaborate with Trump. And, and I'll tell you what's so odd about it is that at the one, uh, on the one hand, Trump's talking about jobs. On the other hand, the Republicans are talking about moving against the Davis-Bacon Act, which deals with prevailing wage on construction sites. In other words, they wanna, the Republicans want to eliminate that. So some of these same leaders that were sitting talking with Trump and kissing his rear end when he was talking about jobs, they, they said nothing about this attack on Davis-Bacon, about the introduction of right to work, uh, about the fact that Trump never says anything in, in terms of advancing trade unionism, the right of workers to organize. Um, it, is, it is a desperate situation, Mark. But the last point is this. We're here March 1st, and I don't know how far out your, uh, the radio uh, signal goes, but it's about, it's, it's like in the 60s, March 1st. Mm-hmm. In, the, in, in February, we had days that were like in May. And, and this issue of climate change is very immediate. Scientists are, are becoming increasingly worried about what may happen in the Atlantic Ocean because of the increase of cold water uh, and, and what it could do in terms of uh, shifting 
the climate in the North Atlantic, when we're talking about the, uh, about the economy and jobs, we've also got to be talking about our own survival. And, and this is what these Vichyites are uh, prepared to close their ears to. And, and so this, I think, will be a, a very critical point. I mean, can you bridge the gap? One, the only things the unions do say about this, I don't want to digress on this too much, that does make sense for them and their members is that the jobs created in the clean energy industry, because they're not unionized for the most part, do not pay like the jobs building the infrastructure for oil, coal, and pipelines. Oh, I mean, my heart goes out, Mark. So maybe what they need to do is something called organize the unorganized? Amen. No, no. Right. <laughs> You know, I mean, right, that right, little right. idea, you know? Right. That's, that's where unions have fallen down the job over the last 20 Precisely. years. Right, which is organizing the unorganized. Right. And not being afraid to, to go on strike and not being afraid to stand up. And there's no guarantee that the jobs that Trump is talking about in any of this, any infrastructure, the pipelines, will be unionized. There's no guarantee. Nothing has been said that says... We will make sure that these are unionized jobs. We will make sure that these are high-wage jobs. They haven't said anything like that. I mean, these guys are going for the okie doke But I think even without addressing unionized jobs or not, we need to be talking about the kinds of jobs. And this is what I think you were bringing up initially, Bill, that we, why are we talking about coal mining jobs? We're, we're moving away from coal. I, I hope we're moving away from coal especially when we're seeing what's happening with the climate, why are we not talking about training these miners to do another job? Why are we trying to revive the coal industry? Why are we building this pipeline? We, we want more jobs, sure, but we don't want those jobs. It's, we, 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 this is a show we need to come back to, which is there's a, there's a 20-year transition that has to be made if we're able to make this transition from dirty energy to clean energy. It can be done, but the, we have to have the wherewithal to do it didn't happen under Obama, and it certainly isn't going to happen under Trump, which is going to be the exact opposite direction. Back to the phones of 410-319-8888. Let's go to Jamie. You're on the air. Welcome. Hi. Good morning. Good morning, Jamie. I, I think that, I think that, um, that uh, first off, I mean, I think that it's evident that uh, Trump isn't worried about clean energy. I think he's going to um, ramp up uh, his uh, agenda as far as job production is concerned. He's not worried about it being clean. You know, um, and I think that's just it. He's a business guy, and it's just all about you know uh, revenue and income. And so um, I think that that's probably uh, that's going to be the role. And uh, also, I wanted to say that I didn't pay, um, I didn't watch uh, Trump last night. I've been catching um, you know uh, bits and pieces of it through you guys and through um, C-SPAN and all. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, um, I just wanted to say too that uh, during this campaign, Trump had a chance to um, to pull everybody together because. You know, just to keep it real, everybody kind of, you know, had a thing for his rawness, you know, at the very beginning. You know, just his ability to, uh, you know, to say what he wanted to say and go against government. And, you know, you know because a lot of, a lot of that, um, no matter what, whether you're white or black, whatever, whatever uh, a lot of people share certain things. And so um, I, think, I think that now he gets no undue uh, criticism that, you know, that, he, that he's deserved of. You know, um, I think he deserves every bit of the criticism that he gets because uh, his mouth and his, um, you know, put him in that situation. And at the same time, um, I can, I can, I'm not going to say respect, but I can, uh, I can get with somebody that expresses their true views better than I can uh, someone that hides them. And so I'm glad that he's doing that, you know, that, that, he's, uh, that he's outright with uh, how he feels. I don't, uh, I don't want him to... Uh, so-called become more presidential and just having folks write his speeches for him and right. sounds better. But under, but you know, but you're getting backdoored and things are being slid across, you know, because uh, I think that that puts the people in a worse situation, you know. Uh, um, I would say that, um, uh, like I said, uh, you know, in the beginning he had a, he had a chance to uh, really um, to really speak to everybody, and he didn't do that. He didn't take that opportunity. Um, and I, I mean, I think I think it's really just that cut and dry, you know. Jimmy, I appreciate your call, and I should appreciate you not wanting to watch last night. <laughs> I must say, I watched because we have to talk about it. But uh, <laughs> there are other movies I would love to have seen. Uh, appreciate the call. Let's play this real clip real fast about the, the, uh, his, his radical Islamic terrorist quote uh, in the speech. Then, Hank, you're the next caller up we're going to come to. 
We are also taking strong measures to protect our nation from radical Islamic terrorism. We cannot allow a beachhead of terrorism to form inside America. We cannot allow our nation to become a sanctuary for extremists. That is why my administration has been working on improved vetting procedures, and we will shortly take new steps to keep our nation safe and to keep those out who will do us harm. And I, I, I guess you didn't hear that either, did you, Bill? No, I heard it now. Oh, good, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what happened last time. I'm glad you heard it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, so let's, you know, I mean, we cover this as we have this situation since before the war in Iraq started with some intensity on this show. And for all the critique we've had on and off about President Barack Obama's administration, the vetting process as we covered on the show when this first came up and we went through it step by step is intense. And this whole notion that we're not vetting, and can people slip through? All kinds of people slip through, all kinds of cracks. But the, the vetting process has been so intense, Desiree, that this is just another one of these games being played. Um, again, dividing the country, and mm-hmm. you know that 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 um, uh, that I think that that has to be called out. Right. We already have intense vetting, and we the seven countries that are affected by this travel ban that he imposed. We have not had any terrorists from those countries commit any crimes. We have, we have not had any refugees commit any crimes. So exactly what is that travel ban supposed to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, I think, and also resurrecting this radical Islamic terrorist language as opposed to talking about... Terrorism? Terrorism, period. Bill? Well, he, he can't talk about terrorism in general because that would put him at odds with his fascist supporters. And, and that becomes a problem for him. I mean, you know, to go back to what we were talking about earlier in the program, once you acknowledge that most of the terrorist attacks that have happened in the United States since 9-11 have been carried out by white supremacists, and once you also acknowledge that your chance of being killed in a terrorist attack is less than your chance of being hit by lightning, um, all of a sudden this becomes a very different discussion. I mean, if, if, uh, if you want to take Trump's rationale for the steps that he's taking, then they need to do a serious lockup of white men in the United States, right? And, and, but that, that obviously is not going to happen. So, so this, that's why this discussion is incredibly demagogic. It does not rely on facts. Um, it relies on feelings. It, this is, we have to remember that this entire campaign that he launched and his presidency is based on fear and based on a revolt against the future, a future that many people fear desperately. And it's also a revolt against fact, just like you've said. Mm-hmm. The, the 12 jihadists who have committed terror, fatal terrorist attacks in this country were citizens or legal permanent residents. Exactly. Right. And, and, and which is something, I mean, you, that we've talked about on the show again in the past, where we are not paying enough attention to young people who are feeling alienated and apart from that are susceptible to the kind of pleadings of the jihadists around the world. And it, listen, I mean, it, it, and it, 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 it again, fans these flames. And look, I mean, you stop Muhammad Ali's son at the border mm-hmm. because his name is Muhammad Ali. A, how stupid are they to not know who he is to start with, and B, pulling a man like that in and questioning him about what mosque he goes to, how he practices religion. I mean, it's madness. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see more and more of this. And I think that's the stuff that we have to stand up to and protect. Um, and there has to be some solidarity. And the question is, can we build solidarity? I think oh, we, I think we can. I, no, I think we can, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've been seeing it. I mean, there are these problems that, that both of you identified earlier, um, and, you know, sort of uh, cracks in the wall. But at the same time, there have been tremendous displays of solidarity, as we saw when these uh, original regulations were issued. Um, I think that that can be sustained, when we, but we're going to have to build 
strong organizations, strong alliances, actual alliances, not just good feeling, in order to take this on. And we have to remind people constantly, we have to fight back on distortions. When Trump says that most of the terrorist attacks come from people from outside of the United States, we have to remind people of what Desiree just said. No, actually, that's not true. In terms of any Muslim terrorists, it's not true. And second, most of the attacks come from white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when you're talking about, uh, as we were discussing earlier, crime, there's no discussion of sources of crime that come from European immigrants. That's what's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. There's none. When, when uh, you know, if you, if you really want to talk about crime, then let's look at the Russian mafia. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Who have carried out murders in this country. Precisely. Right. And I, and I think that that's, and, and no matter what you, especially this, whether you're in San Francisco, L.A., New York, Baltimore, there, there's a huge presence of that mafia in our communities. Yes. And we do not talk about it ever. Let's go to the phones, 410-319-8888. Hank, you're on the air. Welcome. Hi, Hank. Distinguishing guest. Good morning, Hank. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, Hank. Okay, so... My, my theory is this, right? My mother used to tell me don't point my fingers because if I point my finger at somebody, there's four fingers pointing back at me. I've right? heard that too, yes, right. We, we, we're looking at this wall, we're looking at this wall as an obstacle of keeping people in, right? But it's just as justifiable to keep a person in where you up, where you up, right? Or go rail against the, the norm, right? Now you have to understand and figure this. You got water on two sides, very extreme cold weather on another side, and the wall at the bottom, right? Now you box that. Half of our military base that we have, right, or not half, right, but a quarter to a quarter to a third of the military base that we have are no longer being used, right? So they made they concentration camps. I watched this thing on my Facebook page where a guy sat in Congress and alluded to this is. We got this. We got this plan in case this situation happens. I'm not at liberty to speak on this situation, but in case this situation happens, yes, we should detain these amount of people at this manner and this manner, right? So what I'm saying is that we do need to get, we do need to band together to fight this situation, right? But we, what we need to do is one, take the independent who are running and have them start exposing everything that is flawed, right? And then not only take that, right, we need to have, uh, what, we really, what we really need to do, and I hate to say this, right, because it sounds so racist, is we need to reach out to the white American woman, right, and show plight of really what goes on when she goes in a certain way. Because I hate to say this, all wars are one in the same world, right? I can do whatever I want to do, right? But when I get in the house, I get in the bed, and my wife says, blah, they, blah, they. Right. If I want peace, then it's Hank, it's always good to hear your thoughts. I do love having you join us on the show. And I, I think that, uh, again, um, you will hear a podcast that we produced last night with Democracy in Crisis that we air around the country and also is will be on our show where we actually talk about the real problem here is not the military bases, but the fact that Donald Trump is reinstituting private prisons. The the um, profit margin for CCA, which is the corporation that runs these private prisons, skyrocketed more than any other company in America after he made that announcement. And what's going to happen here is there will be those camps being run, but they'll be called federal prisons run by the private corporations that will be imprisoning immigrants in this country. That's what's going to happen next. And you can see that on the, the writing on the wall. Um, I think that's, the, the, you know, because um, I guess maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm not, I've never been much for conspiracy theories. I, I don't think, um, you, you know, it's sort of like they say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you. That's right. Mm-hmm. Only right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. And I think that um, actually what the caller was saying, in the 1950s, there was a, an act that was passed, I believe it was the McClellan Act, that uh, created... Uh, detention camps or concentration camps in the anticipation of civil disturbances. And right. these were kept open until, I believe, the early 70s. And it's very possible that 
in the wake, and this goes back to what I was saying before, if there is another terrorist attack, which I think that there's some in the administration that would love for such a thing to happen, because it would uh, be the equivalent of the Reichstag fire mm-hmm, mm. uh, that took place in Germany, uh, that Hitler used to justify uh, sweeping repression. There are those in this administration that I believe would be quite comfortable with sweeping repression, not simply against immigrants, but against various opponents. I mean, when we look right now at the, uh, the voter suppression, uh, that have been taking place, the voice suppression that has been taking place around this country. You look at the uh, Justice Department that just the other day said that they were no longer going to go after the Texas Voter Suppression Act. Um, you see that there is an aim and has been an aim to disenfranchise millions of voters. So you have that, you have other forms of repression, and this is why we are in a battle for democracy. No, no, I agree. I, I think that you know, those things were very real. I mean, Nixon had this list of of, of what, ten thousand people he was going to have arrested uh, with, with, if they needed to activists. And actually, on the show, very interestingly enough, I discovered because one of the guests we had in the show who wrote a book about that period that there are many that that my name was on that list. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard Nixon, which I had no idea. He said, well, I wrote this book, and guess whose name I found? And so um, that, that, that those things are very real. And I think it's very, that, that could have happened if Nixon had not been impeached. That's right. That could have happened. So we don't, they, so those, those lists are out there. People's names are on them. And that sweep could happen if the Reichstag, I think the Reichstag fire is a great analogy. We need to understand our history and understand why that's important, I think. And I wish we had more time, but I think we're kind of rolling out of time here. And I want to thank our guest, first of all, Bill Fletcher, Jr. Always great to have you with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Look forward to having you back very soon. Dr. Desiree Melton, want to get you back more and more. It's great to have you in the studio again. Thank you for, for having being me. Here. And Eugene Craig, the third who was going to join us, but a, a, a Republican uh, activist. I hope you get well. The last minute is sick. The last minute, I hope, Eugene, you're feeling better. And thank you. I'm oh, sorry we couldn't get all the calls. Leo, Clarence, a couple others. I apologize we couldn't get to everybody's call. On the way out of here to our next segment about Betty DeVos and education. I want to remind you the Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by the Maryland State Education Association. From limiting over testing to protecting public school funding, you can learn more about the issues facing Maryland students, parents, and schools by visiting the Maryland State Education Association website at marylandeducators.org. That's marylandeducators.org. Taking a short break, come back. Don't leave us. <laughs> 